Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If anyone needs a Bible, please raise their hands. Nice and high. We have a couple here. You can please rise for the reading of God's holy word. Bible, raise your hands. Anyone else? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus speaking. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from e the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we, uh, we, we, we either live or die, whether or not we're, we're in your word or we're living by your word, Lord. And, and we want to live by it, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you would bring it to, to life in our hearts and our minds. Lord God, and our spirits, Lord, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, God, that, that the distractions of, of the week, of the weekend, even of this morning, of running out of the house or whatever, Lord God, would just uh, be shed off of us, Lord, that we may just focus on what you're saying to us this morning, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please greet one another. Scott mentioned the, uh, the baptism. If you've never been baptized, uh, you should be baptized. Let me rephrase that. If you've never been baptized as, as an adult, you should be baptized as an adult. I was baptized when I was a, as a baby, like many of you may have been. But the Bible actually says that that's something that should happen when we're sort of conscious of what we're doing. And a baptism really uh, means that it, it's, it's doing in public what's already happened in your heart in private, which is you're sort of dying. You're, 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 you're dying to yourself. And when you're raised up out of the water, it's, you're, you're alive now in, in, in Christ. And it's at Houghton's Pond. Now, when I think of a pond, you know, I think of like green moss all over the pond. And this is, but that, believe me, this is not like that. You're not going to come out of your baptism with like green muck all over you, I promise. Uh, it, baptism is uh, scary enough, I guess, uh, without that happening. There's lots of people who uh, swim in this pond, and so uh, please let me know uh, if uh, if you've never been baptized and would like to be baptized. Also, a pitch from my wife, who's a tr tremendous teacher of the Word of God, and she's going to be teaching her quarterly uh, uh, lesson uh, to the women. Uh, what date is that, Scott? The 13th of August, and that's a Saturday morning, Friday night, Friday the 13th, uh, you know, the going in the opposite spirit uh, of the world, we're having the lesson on Friday the 13th. Uh, okay, well, uh, our last lesson on the Lord's Prayer uh, is, is, um, is this morning, and, uh, you know, some of us, uh, when we first came to the Lord, 
uh, we struggled with the whole idea of praying to God. I mean, what, am I, what on earth am I supposed to say to God? I mean, he's God and I'm me. And, you know, what, do I, what am I supposed to say to someone who's created everything and who's always existed and, uh, and with a word of his mouth he can do anything? What am I supposed to say to someone like that? I mean, what if I say something stupid? You know, what's he going to do? There's enormous confusion out there about how and what to pray, and there's uh, confusion of, of, the, of the purpose of prayer. Some people think that the pers- purpose of prayer is, is to give God your wish list, like Santa Claus. And uh, uh, in others uh, that I've talked to, actually, they don't feel comfortable asking God for anything because they say, well, that would be selfish for me to be going uh, to God and asking him uh, for something. And one of the reasons we have spent uh, time in in this prayer, uh, and one of the reasons we teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel, is to teach people how to pray. When a person starts reading through the Word of God, really cover uh, to cover their confusion about prayer their confusion about God, their confusion about relating to God will go away. They learn, for example, that God isn't Santa Claus, and so they stop talking to him like Santa Claus. They learn that um, they are his children, and, and we'll get to that a little later on, and, and that uh, because they're his children, his little children, actually, the Bible says, uh, they need to be completely dependent on him, and, and there's really, it, it's not selfish uh, going uh, to God uh, for something that you want or, or need. Uh, in, in fact, that's part of the relationship. But anyone who has a longing to know God is going to want to learn how to pray. Jesus' own disciples in Luke 11 asked him, Lord, how do, how do we pray? To, like, you know, John teaches his disciples how to pray. Please, Jesus, you, you tell us, how, how are we supposed to pray? Anyone who has a longing to know God, ask the same uh, question. And, and this, uh, Jesus gave them, when they asked him, that he gave them this same prayer that we're reading here in Matthew uh, chapter 6. And, you know, everyone in this room who, who wants to know God more, who wants to serve him, who wants to draw close to, to him, should be asking him the same thing. God, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to talk with you, Lord. Make me a prayer warrior, Lord, a champion of prayer. Help me to obey you, Lord, when your word says, pray without ceasing, pray pray with all manners of of requests, pray on all occasions. Prayer will change your life. It will change your family. It will change your workplace, your, your job, your church, your city, your, your world. But finding the time to pray won't be easy. Yes, the Bible says we have to pray without ceasing. We should sort of be breathing prayer all day. But it also talks about in verse 6 there uh, of Matthew uh, chapter 6 that we need to find that secret place. And, and, and it's a battle. And the reason is Satan doesn't want you to pray. Christian author Paul Little years ago uh, said this, and, and it just really stuck with me. He said, the biggest battle, the greatest battle of the Christian life is getting quiet 
unhurried time with God. And I have found that to be true. You know, about six months ago, Steph and I began to set aside about a half an hour to 45 minutes uh, right before we go to bed uh, to, to pray with each other. And I can't tell you uh, the difference that it's made in our lives, but I, it, it's just, it, it has been a battle. I mean, we're, we're literally attacked every night, attacked by sleep. attack by sleep at the end of the day so we do what the bible says to do we attack back and and you know listen uh, to paul in first corinthians 9 26 he says i run the race this way not with uncertainty now the greek word for uncertainty hupa piazo means to be prone to fall down paul is saying i i, I run the race not as one who falls down or or you could say falls asleep but, Paul says, I discipline my body into subjection. Now, one of the Greek definitions of that word discipline is to punch someone underneath the eye. So, that, so you know, literally, uh, the translation is, I run the race not as one who falls down or falls asleep, but as one who punches myself underneath the eye into subjection. And, and that's what I find myself doing uh, every uh, night uh, with Stephanie. And, you know, it's already 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm, poor Stephanie, she, she gets to bed. She's like an early go to better, but not anymore because she married to me and I go to bed like really late. And, uh, and, uh, and we have to punch ourselves underneath the eyes, not each other's, but, you know, figuratively speaking, yeah, uh, our own. But um, it's all been worth it, though, because it has kept our relationship with God crisp, new, and alive. And now, you know, it ha it, it's become such a, an important time, and, and we fight for this time now. Uh, we fight for it. And, 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 and you know, the Bible does say our, our battle's not against uh, flesh and blood. It's against Satan, who really doesn't want us praying. And, and, and I don't know how uh, about you, but it has been just a great help just going uh, through these lessons just verse by verse uh, on the Lord's Prayer and just applying them to my prayer life. It's just, it, it's really helped me. The Bible says we need to be doers, not just hearers of the Word of God. And, and that goes for our prayer life as well. So let's get back to this prayer one last time. Um, uh, Jesus says in verse 9, and he says, in this manner pray. In other words, this is how you should talk to God. These are the things you should remember when you talk to God. He begins, our Father in heaven. In Matthew 19, uh, there were some small children trying to wiggle themselves through the crowd uh, to get to Jesus. And his disciples stopped them. And it was, what are you kids trying to do? I mean, this is Jesus. I mean, what are you trying to do getting to Jesus? And it says that Jesus rebuked them. It, he rebuked them and he said to them, let the little children come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So um, when Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, he's saying, go to God as a little child goes to his or her father. Now, some translations use the word infant. And actually, it is the Greek word for little children. It's the word infant. And uh, I personally think these were three or four-year-olds. 
because I'm getting real experience with three or four year olds and, and, uh, and, and a three or four year old who has a healthy relationship with her father uh, comes to him and, and, and when she comes to him, her, her father's everything. I mean, her, her father is the world. And, 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 you know, or my son Sam, you know, when he was uh, four, he used to say, and you've heard the expression, when I grow up, I, I want to be just like my dad. He doesn't say that anymore. You know, it's, it's his pride. I, I'm sure it's his pride because, uh, you know, inside he probably does. But, I, but uh, in any way, but that is just how Jesus wants us approaching God. He says, pray our Father in heaven. We're supposed to know we're those little children, those infants, and like a three-year-old uh, basking in the presence of her father. A three- or four-year-old has no interest venturing out on uh, her own. You don't see a three- or four-year-old coming to her dad saying, Hey, Dad, do you mind if I go out and camp in the woods tonight? You know, th you know they do that a little later, but not when they're, uh, you know, three or four years old. And, and so... Um, uh, they, they literally, they, they don't want to leave the presence of their father. And, 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 you know, sometimes I'm finding myself dragging, you know, my, my kids around the house. They're like clinging to my leg. And, 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 and Jesus is bringing up this illustration uh, for a purpose because we're not supposed to want to be outside the, the presence of God. We can need to come to him as little children. Our father, he is telling us to approach God as a little child. Then he says, our father who is in heaven, God reigns in heaven. Uh, he is in perfect control, though the world may seem out of control, though our world may be seem out of control. He is in control. Then Jesus says in verse 9, Hallowed be thy name. When the children of Israel were crying out in the wilderness for water, Moses went to God and says, God, what do I do with these people? They, they, they're just so, they're, they, they, all they do is complain. They just whine, and, and they're so ungrateful, and, and they want to go back to Egypt. And, and, and God said to Moses, he said, go out before them, stand before them, and call out the water from the rock. So Moses went out to the to the people and he said, you bunch of rebels, you, you want water, I'll show you water, you know, take this water and he goes, ksh, ksh, and he smacked the, the rock, uh, instead of speaking to it, he smacked the rock with his rod and the water gushed out. And later on, when Moses was on the very threshold of the promised land, the doorstep of the promised land, uh, the Lord told him, he said, you will not enter in because you did not Hallow my name. You, 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 I, 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 you know, you made me out like I was some god, like, like, like a pagan god having temper tantrums, and, and, and you misrepresented me. You did not hallow my name. Jesus says that when we pray, we should pray that God's name would be hallowed and that we wouldn't misrepresent God in our home, in our neighborhood, in our work. Brothers and sisters, if we're out having temper tantrums, complaining, lying, cheating, or cutting corners, we're not hallowing the name of God. We're misrepresenting Him. Jesus continues in verse 10, Thy kingdom come. Note, it's not my kingdom come. It's not, God, please build my kingdom, my house, my plans, my future. No, it's your kingdom come. Then Jesus goes on, your will be done. Not our will, 
His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ezekiel chapter 1, we read it a couple uh, weeks ago, described how the angels do the will in heaven. And it says they run back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. And, and when we pray this prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for strength to do his will without hesitation, without murmuring, without complaining. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, every born-again Christian should be totally dependent on God. If you are not in a place where you are not totally dependent on God, chances are that... Uh, that um, you are not where God wants you to be because the Bible teaches that God always leads his children to a place they have to be dependent on him. They have to rely and trust in him every day. So Jesus says, each day, each day, give us our daily bread, our bread meaning anything it is that we need, any mountain that we need to be moved so we can uh, get through the day. Jesus continues, forgive us, our sins. Again, if, if, if God has, has, has given birth in your heart spiritually to a new life, uh, the Bible says that, that when God sees you, uh, he sees the perfection of Christ who lives in you. However, until you get a new body in heaven, you will continue to sin. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, you should always draw on the grace of God. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Jesus continues, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It says, as we forgive our debtors, or debtors, another word for sinners or sinners, persons that uh, we have, um, who have sinned against us. In case um, any of you have lived your entire life in a cave and for the first time you crawled out this morning and, and, and got to church, I, I'm here to tell you that um, uh, the, every person you will come into contact with outside of your cave is a sinner. And you will have hundreds and hundreds of contacts with them every day. And every day you will be wronged against and wronged again and wronged again and wronged again and wronged again. And, and, and you will be wronged again and again and again. But if the Bible says that if you are following Christ, you must forgive and forgive again and forgive again and again and again and again. It's a lifestyle. And that's why Jesus is in this prayer. He's having us remind God, doesn't need reminding, but uh, we need to remind, we need to remind him for our own sake. Oh yeah, God, and I'm forgiving the people who have been forg uh, sinning against me. In other words, he, he's making us accountable to him. He's making us accountable to him. And that brings us to verse 13. Matthew 6, 13 says, And do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us into temptation. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 14 says this, A man or woman is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You know, this verse is so real to me. This verse is so real to me. Many of you can probably relate to this, but, you know, I've had someone in my life very close to me, someone who I love dearly, someone who I spent a, a large chunk of my life with 
someone who was healthy, someone who was happy, someone who was godly, someone who was growing in Christ, but he was drawn away by his desire into temptation. The desire gave birth to sin, and the sin brought forth death. Brothers and sisters, temptation can take a man or woman who is healthy, happy, full of life, godly even and turn him into a physical emotional and spiritual wreck I've seen it happen before my eyes before my very eyes and it, it, it can be so deceptive in the Arctic the Inuit Indians hunt wolves by fixing a razor blade in the ice and they put a little bit of seal's blood on top of the razor blade. And a wolf smells the, the seal's blood, and they come up and they, they start lapping up the blood. And, and at the same, while they're doing that, they're slicing their own tongue. And, and as they slice their own tongue, the blood starts coming out um, over the razor blade. And, and they think it's more seal's blood, and they start lapping up uh, more and more. And then more and more, their blood comes up, and they think they're like on the mother load or something, and they start furiously, furiously um, um, lapping up uh, the blood faster and faster and faster, slicing up their tongues deeper and deeper and deeper, causing more and more and more blood. And, and, and the more blood that comes out, the more they, they, they lap it up. And, and before long, they've completely lost their tongue. And, and without a tongue in the Arctic, you, uh, you know, you die. You, uh, you know, you can't swallow, you can't eat, you can't drink. You die. They starve to death. And I, I, I bring up that very graphic uh, temptation, not to gross you out or to make you have nightmares, but only to, 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 to really bring home the, the, the point, temptation is deceptive. It is like that. It, it comes in all shapes and forms, but it's always attractive. And underneath the attraction is the instrument of death. If we are not on our guard, if we are not spiritually watchful, I really like that word in the Bible, watchful, be watchful, Jesus says. If we're not spiritually watchful and alert, we will be drawn by our desire into temptation, our passion will be aroused, and before you know it, we'll be in a feeding frenzy, just like the wolves, not knowing that our soul is being sliced up into minced meat. Listen carefully. The Bible teaches that while a born-again Christian has been reborn spiritually, until he goes to be with Jesus, he still lives in his old nature. And brothers and sisters, until you die, your old nature will be crying out to be satisfied. Proverbs 30.15 says this, The leech has two daughters. Give and give. And, and, and that's what our old nature is like. Our old nature has two daughters. Give me and give me. It, 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 just, it, it just wants to be, uh, uh, to be satisfied. And, and let me tell you, uh, it, it cries out to be satisfied. And every time you obey its lusts, you are strengthening it. You, you are giving it a workout session. You are, uh, you, what you're doing, you're letting it pump iron. And, 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 and the old nature that pumps enough iron, pretty soon, instead of punching it out, uh, it'll be punching you out. 
I mean, you'll see that drink or that pornography uh, or, or that drug or whatever that thing that your old nature wants. And, and, and you know, if you let it, your old nature pump iron long enough, uh, you'll say, well, uh, no, thank you. I really don't want that. That's sin. And your old nature will smack you in the face and then pow, you know, you said what? You said no thank you? Try again. Use your manner. Say, well, thank you very much. And you take that. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'll never do that again, really. You know, we become like wimps. Don't be giving your old nature workout sessions. Don't allow your old nature to pump iron. Rather, allow your new nature to pump iron. That's what the body of Christ is for. That's what the Word of God is for. And that's what prayer is for. Now, Jesus knows about temptation. He knows about temptation more than anyone who ever lived. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows the terrors, the horrors, the costs of temptation. Jesus is called in the Bible a man of sorrows. A man of sorrows. Now, why was he called a man of sorrows? Because he saw the devastating effect of sin. And he knows about temptation. So when his disciples asked him how to pray, he said this, pray, do not lead us into temptation. Now, remember, as with all the prayer requests within these short, short few verses in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is just a series of prayer requests. As in all of them, these prayers should be on our lips always, all the time. Uh, Jesus says, give us this day or each day our daily bread. That's not a prayer you pray once every three months. <laughs> you know, it, it, he says each day. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and so when Jesus introduces this prayer in Luke 11, he says, when you pray, pray this. And, and this is supposed to be part of our nonstop dialogue. And as I've said many times, not that you pray this exact prayer with these exact words, because then it'll turn into a dead ritual. And the purpose of the last few weeks is to turn this thing and make it alive, not, you know, alive from the dead, because it's become a dead ritual to many of us. The purpo- but, but what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, when you, when you pray to God, this should be just always on your lips. Lord, lead me not into temptation. We live in a world where temptation abounds. On my computer screen... You know, I have one of those screensavers, and yeah, uh, for you who have never been defiled by uh, computers, a, a screensaver is, you know, that thing that comes up when you take a break from using uh, your computer. And on my screensaver, you know, you've probably seen it before. I had that screensaver. It's like you're traveling through space. You're like looking out into the outer darkness, and you know, stars are coming uh, at you. And you know, to me, that was, that's just a picture of temptation in 2004. I mean, it just stuff coming out of nowhere and you're like yeah you know and uh uh and it's like that and and you know i it's amazing uh, to me though uh where the internet has brought us i mean you know 
I go to what's supposed to be a clean website, you know, CNN News, right? And, and, and I'm trying to find out whether the Red Sox won or something. And, and, you know, on the right side of the screen, you'll see, you know, click here for new romance. And, you know, underneath that, or click here for the, like a preview of the Sports Illustrated base, bathing suit issue. Or, and underneath that is click here and get a new job for, you know, twice uh, y the pay that, that, that you're, you're making now. You know, click here for a facelift, you know, whatever. You know, there's a click here for everything, even on the clean websites. And let me warn you, if you go into the Internet and you've been letting the old nature pump iron every day, you're going to come away black and blue all over with your hair pulled out and blood streaming down your eyes. I mean, you know, and, and, and because, you know, it, it's a dangerous place, or can be. And now, you know, the newest things on these, uh, on these websites is, is these screens, you know, that pop up unannounced. I mean, you didn't even ask for them. You didn't even click them. And they, they just pop up in front of you, and you have to click them to get rid of them, or else you can't read anymore. And, and, you know, refinance your mortgage for the 10th time or, you know, uh, or, you know, we'll bring this R-rated movie right to your house. You know, that's the one I've been seeing all uh, for the last five months. And um, I wonder if they told someone a hundred years ago that a time was coming when, when you know, even, if, even when you were just minding your own business reading, that something would like come right in front of what you were reading and, and you'd have to like get it out of the way, you know, you know, whatever happened to like life on the farm, you know, where the biggest temptation was whether you have a, you know, one or two pound steak, you know, this stuff is just coming right at you. And, and, and so, but any, anyway, the truth of the matter is this, behind, behind many of those screens is that razor ready to, ready to slice you up. And Jesus knew what he was doing when he was giving us this prayer, Lord, lead me not in temptation. And he knew what he was doing when he was telling us to pray it all the time. Now, if you're taking notes, the spirit of this prayer is this. Lead us not in temptation. The spirit of this, the prayer is this. Remember, it's not these exact words that Jesus cares about. He, he, he cares about what, what's the prayer of your heart. And the spirit of the prayer is this. Lead us not in temptation. God, I am weak. Lord, I am fearful of myself and my inclination to sin. Open my eyes, Lord, so I don't rush into temptation. Give me a discerning spirit to walk away from it when I see it. If possible, Lord, take me away from it altogether. If I must be in temptation, don't abandon me there, Lord, but make me strong in it, not by my might or power, but by your spirit. That's the spirit of this prayer. Now, some people get confused and, and ask, why does this prayer say, lead us not in temptation, when the book of James says God doesn't ever tempt a man or woman to evil? Well, it's actually very simple. I, I've seen whole sermons on this, but it's really extremely simple. James says God does not tempt a man to evil, meaning just that. He doesn't tempt someone or you for the purpose of you falling into evil. However, the Bible is very clear that God does allow you in many, many circumstances to be in temptation. You'd have to live in a cave if, if, if you didn't have, uh, you know, ever have any temptation. But God's heart is that you walk through temptation and that uh, when you have to, that you're strengthened and refined in it. Not that you fall into it, 
But that doesn't mean you go out looking for it. The prayer of your heart should always be this, God, I hate temptation. Lead me away from it, Lord. And when I must pass through it, strengthen me in it. Now, the next prayer request. Verse 13. But deliver us from the evil one. Many people inter interpret the whole verse or verse 13 like this. Lead us not in temptation, Lord, but if we must be in temptation, rescue us from the devil. Brothers and sisters, listen. If you are really living for God, if you really are, you will come face to face with evil. You will. You know, I, I, I don't want to get weird on you, but I am telling you that there have been times in my life where I've walked into situations where I became so aware of the presence of evil, it was like it was dripping from the ceiling. I mean, I could practically smell it. Satan is not a little red man with a pitchfork. He's a fallen angel who's a lot smarter and stronger than you are. And the Bible says that his representatives are legion, meaning he's got a lot of help. The Bible says a third of heaven, a third of the angels in heaven fell away with Satan. Put Jesus between you and the devil. It's that simple. Put Jesus between you and the devil. While the devil may be smarter and stronger than you, the Bible says you have nothing to fear because greater, says the Bible, is the power in you. The Bible says that you're, if you're born again, you are occupied by the Holy Spirit and greater is the power in you than the power in this world. But listen, don't be self-confident because that will disable the power. When you're self-confident, that's like stepping out in front of Jesus and saying, I can do this on my own. Instead, as Jesus says to pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Now, you may be saying, well, I have never really experienced this weird, uh, evil, dripping thing that you have, Steve. But, you know, uh, I drip sometimes in my cellar, you know, when I have a leaky pipe or whatever, but what's with this, you know, I, I, evil dripping? And, you know, well, well maybe so, okay? Eventually, eventually you'll walk into that uh, if you're really following uh, the Lord. And, and it could be that you, you have, but you just didn't know about it. But, but let me ask you this. Uh, when, when was the last time you were thinking to yourself these thoughts? Oh, I just want to give up this walk with Christ. This isn't worth it. It's just too hard. I, I can't think of one reason to keep on going. I want to go back to my old life. It won't be so bad. I'll be more careful this time. Listen. Believe me. That wasn't God speaking. That was Satan. The Bible says he is the father of lies. You pray right then and there, right as he's speaking those lies into your mind. God, deliver me from the evil one. When was the last time you were reading your Bible and all of a sudden you were thinking, how could this be true? Do I really believe this? How could David kill Goliath? How could Daniel spend the night with a bunch of lions and not be eaten up? How could Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? 
believe me, it wasn't God telling you those things. It was Satan. Those are the lies of Satan. He told Eve the same thing in the Garden of Eden. He said to Eve, did God really say that? The next time those thoughts come into your head when you are reading the Bible right then and there, pray, God, deliver me from the evil one. Finally, when was the last time you were thinking of getting high? Going to a porn site? Getting a different job which pays twice as much but prevents you from ever going to church? Screaming at your obnoxious neighbor? Oh, well, you know, it won't be so bad if I give in. You know, not if I just give in once. You know, uh, this won't lead to my death. You know what I'm going to say. Believe me, those thoughts are not coming from God. Those are the lies of Satan. Satan told Eve, you surely will not die if you eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Next time one of those thoughts comes to your mind, you cry out to God, deliver me from the evil one, just as your Lord told you to. Finally, some of you are going, whoof, because we're finally at the end. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen means so be it or let it be so. The prayer ends the way it begins, with our eyes off ourselves and on the Lord. It's the whole object of prayer. It's to get your, your, your thoughts and your eyes not inward, off yourselves, but outward. If you look inward, you're just going to see ugly. If you look outward at God, you're going to see the glory of God. And the best thing you can do for His kingdom, He says, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. The best thing you can do for his kingdom, for his power and his glory is to lay hold of these very things Jesus has taught you in this prayer, in this teaching on prayer. Because that's what it is. It's a teaching on prayer. Not supposed to be a prayer we're supposed to recite at every single religious occasion. It's supposed to be a prayer that, uh, th that is teaching us about what to do or what, how to do or what to say when we pray. And so the time to start a new life with God is now. Whether you've never given your life to God or whether you have, but, or, or, or whether you, know, you have given your life to God but it's grown stale, the time to start a new life with God is now. And, and no one wants that more for you than the Lord. And, and if you want to pray about that, please come up after the service and we'll pray about it. Well, the next time we'll be, I'll be teaching on fasting and I promise it, it won't be five weeks on fasting. Um, maybe like ten minutes, uh, if that. But uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. And we thank you for just always being... As Scott said in his prayer before, before the message, Lord God, just, just being so forthright, Lord God, in your word, just speaking right to our hearts, even if it hurts. Oftentimes, it, it doesn't hurt. It's just a joy, Lord, because, because it, it, we want... It's, it's a joy to us just to know what we're supposed to do. We get confused, we get disoriented, and, and it's a joy just, just reading the word, black and white, 
And Father, I just, uh, we, we, we're, we're weak. Our, our natures are weak, Lord, our, our old nature. And, and Lord God, we want to pump iron with our, we want our, our new man, the new man. Your word says the old, uh, old is gone, the new has come. And, and we want that to be in the workout session, Lord. And so, Lord, teach us how to pray. I just pray that everyone in here, Lord, you would plant these seeds deep in their hearts, Lord. God, that they would just sprout up and bear fruit, Lord God, that others may just just take of them, take of the fruit, and so on and so forth, Lord. I just pray for this week, Lord. I do pray for the city, Lord. I just do pray for protection. I just pray that the anxiety, Lord God, that people would... Uh, and it would occur to them, Lord God, that... The only way to release themselves from the anxiety is, is looking to you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I just uh, just pray for our country, Lord, that, that once again we would be a nation of, of prayer, Lord. God, I just pray that um, we would just grow in our dependence of you. We love you and need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you'd like prayer, please come up.